knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Oh, here we go, boys. that sound this is a good one welcome to waterfall wednesday edition full scale outdoors podcast nick and dale how's it going dale good how are you nicholas good it's uh wednesday morning february the 28th um when are you headed out to South Dakota to begin your snow goose guiding? Uh, Tuesday, the fourth, I think. Oh, Does that math work? I don't know if that's uh, the right date. Fifth? Fourth? No. Fifth? Somewhere in there. Two, two, Tuesday's the fifth. 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 Okay. Yep. And and what's what's your first day sitting in a spread? The sixth? Probably Saturday. Well, me oh. personally, I'll probably get I'll probably get my spread set. In a day, maybe. Cause it'll just be me. So, well, then I got to brush in the A-frame. I don't know. It might take a couple of days to get it to where I like it. But even a okay, partially so he- brushed in blind, I'm going to sit. I will personally sit there and, you know, I, mean, I will put it this way. I'll have a gun on me <laughs> in case For something sure. flies in. But, yeah. So you're leaving on Tuesday and you're just going to get your spread set and your equipment ready for the weekend. Correct. Now, are you guys. Are, when you when you are guiding, are you going to basically just be in the same spread for the entire time, or do they rotate you guys around different spreads? No, I'm usually like I have my everybody kind of has their field. Okay. Yeah, and I'll so be your, and as yeah. it works out, I will be in the same field I have always been pretty much since I've worked with Dean out there in Lake Preston. So it's, not only will you be sitting in the same field for like twenty days straight. But it's the same field that you've already sat in for multiple years. Yes, correct. Whatever. Yeah, I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. You know, some I think there's a good benefit to doing something like that. But also, I would kind of sometimes I think I would want somebody another guide to come into my setup and just put a pair of fresh eyes on it. Like, yeah. hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up moving this block of decoys over here, and it did this or something. You know, like. Just like, God, is there something I'm missing? Because, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I generally, I mean, yes, a fresh, a, a different opinion and a fresh set of eyes is always nice and, um, for sure. But, you know, I, I adjust stuff as 
as I think needs it, you know, as birds work different days or winter or whatever the thing might be. Right. You're always right. Right. I, it, I don't, you know, we call it like a set it and forget it spread, but it's really not. I mean, I'm always dicking with the decoys during down. Yeah. Times. You have to. Yeah. If you uh, have shitty hunts and you want to get tips from the client. <laughs> right. Even even when you're moving stuff, when you know it's not going to help, but at least, hey, it looks like you're doing something. <laughs> how, how much electronics, other than other than um, your sound, other than your sound, um, how, what type of electronics are you running uh, in your spread? Uh, a couple rotaries. Just two rotaries with two, bur- two uh, on each? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what. We'll have to see what – honestly, I can't give you – I'm only going off of what I've used in the past. I guess it'll right. depend on what he has available and what has been broken in Arkansas, Missouri up to this point. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. Good point. <laughs> so Good point. We'll see, what, <laughs> we'll see what my equipment is when I get there. But yeah, That's no. pretty standard, though, two rotaries. Yeah. I mean, I would like, I would love to have, you know, like a small army of uh, clones. I mean, I love those things. Those things, oh, man, they look good. Um, I, did I tell you I was using the new Lucky Duck, um, flapper, like snow goose flapper when I went to Kansas? I don't think so. I, I was on Ben, Ben's podcast. Like I was on the Nietzsche Bros podcast one time and I tried bringing it up and Ben like was like, oh, no, no, like keep that, <laughs> keep that on the low. Cause they're prototypes. Ah, and I was like, all right, well, Ben's not here to hush me now. So I mean, we can talk about him, but like. <laughs> I came, I came driving down uh, Ben's Ben's road one day, and he had one of them set out in his front yard, and um, it's uh, like a clone style flapper, and uh, he had it set up. So I just pulled in his driveway, and I was like, "What is this?" He's like, "This is a prototype from Lucky Duck. It's like a uh, like a snow goose flapper." I'm like, "Looks fucking good." Hmm. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, it does." I'm like, "I like that." And, Hopefully they'll uh, be a lot cheaper than the clones. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the price point was, and I have some critiques of it as well. Like I will say, it looked really good. There are some things about it I did not like, but I'm not going to say those things publicly because it was a prototype. And also, I mentioned the things that I did not like to Ben, and he said, and he specifically said of those things, like they, the company knows about it, and they're working to resolve oh, those perfect. issues. Yeah. Right. So like everything I had said, like, here's one thing I don't like about him, Ben. He's like, yeah, they, yeah, they know about that. And they're going to try to fix that before they come out. So um, that's good. And uh, but yeah, the Lucky Duck, it, it kind of if you look up like the. Uh, you know how they've got that uh, XDI or whatever it is, honker flapper. Yeah, it's similar to that. And it uh, it, uh, it it's just a snow goose, but it does the wings are like just plug and play like the wings just snap in oh nice. like i think opposed to like clones they kind of have like almost like a delicate little rigging system right i think so yeah you do have to be I've careful only messed with, them. with them once right i've only messed with them like once but the this uh lucky duck one seemed like it was like just a lot easier like just to assemble and it's just durable looking and yeah, well, it would, I would like to see more companies give, get into the, get into the market because that'll bring the cost down. Although that also means that other people have them, and then everybody will be running them, and then they will lose their effectiveness. But there'll be a sweet spot in between <laughs> where, where I go. Oh, definitely. Nice. So, um, okay. 
now we've dealt, dealt with your non-audio electronics. What are your audio electronics? Uh, pretty standard uh, e-collar setup. You know, the old ammo box with the amp inside, uh, sound yep. card. And uh, I usually run, I, I know it depends. I mix it up. Sometimes I run, I, ha I can run four speakers, but a lot of times I only run two. Okay. I, I feel like what's like, I don't know. I, I, and it really depends on the day, but I've seen it where like it's almost too much sound or too much sound coming from too many different directions. So it's like the birds get kind of confused once they get over the sound. They don't know where to go kind of a thing. Yeah. And it seems like if you can give them something they can focus on, that's what they want to go check out. Like it gets into their, mm -hmm. their curiosity gets peaks and puts them right in front of you where you want them. Otherwise, if it's too much sound, they can kind of, you know, they're entertained on the wrong side of the spread or something like that, you know. I agree. Yeah, yeah the sound can direct them. I mean, sound can be a the, – the electronic call is just absolutely an amazing tool, but there are some some things you got to watch out for when you're using it like that. And it, that just comes down to watching the birds, you know, like how they react when they get over it. and Right. Um, making and adjustments days, like, that needed – weird some days they seem to really like that loud aggressive e-caller but on other days you almost want it as low as you can possibly get it right like and sometimes said, it i mean comes down to watching the birds it's just like you know we've talked about honker hunting right how many times you left it's slow you left to go get lunch whatever you come back and there's birds in your decoys and no sound was in there right so the same thing has happened in a snow goose spread and we leave for lunch and you shut speakers down you come in all of a sudden you know a dozen snows pop out of the decoys you're like well goddamn so you don't always need sound you know i think right. i think sometimes it's a pacifier for clients you know but if they oh, don't same with the electronics yeah if there's certain days oh yeah i've taken rotaries down for sure where it's like okay oh, yeah, it's hard to describe but like as you're watching the birds they get to a certain range and they kind of flare or they do something and you're like I think they were looking at those rotaries. I'm going to take them down and just see what happens, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of clients, they don't, obviously they don't have the knowledge behind it. They're like, but now we don't have movement. <laughs> no, we have a thousand <laughs> socks on the ground. I mean, <laughs> right. like, I think we'll be fine. But the same thing, it's like, hey, I'm going to actually shut this e-collar off and just see what these birds do, you know? And you get some weird looks from clients. You're like, I'm just saying, they haven't really been doing it. It's like they kind of hit in that wall of sound and they're, boogieing out or they're acting weird so let's just see what happens on a flock you know can right. I just turn it back on or we can turn it down or i can change tracks or you know it just you just gotta try stuff on those days and see what see what works right and like i think there's a lot of people and clients too that don't understand like you know how like a spinner works for ducks like you can basically on some you know you can pretty much just hunt spinners like the uh, yes, spinner right. isn't a is a duck attractant, like a strong duck attractant. There isn't like one tool like that in a goose hunter's tool bag that works as a goose attractant like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, for sure. Everything is just like uh, seasoning on the, you know, seasoning on the, the tater tot hot dish. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. like there's no standout. Pro Everything just kind of works together. There's not one product that like, the, like the rotaries are not acting as the attractants. They're just acting as, um, you know, they're adding some motion to this already baked cake. If that some, makes sense. Some sprinkles. <laughs> some sprinkles. Like, yeah. Like sprinkles on the frosting. You can't just go out and hunt snow geese with, um, you know, five rotary machines. 
Right. Because they yeah. do not they don't act as the primary attractant. The decoy spread and the sound really are the primary attractants. Yeah, if you had don't... to if you had to list them in a like numerical order of importance, the rotary is going to be down the list of importance for sure. Right, but it, like if you're if we're going to go out and hunt field ducks, um, then the spinners are of the utmost importance, more important than the high in yeah. a lot of scenarios. I, yeah, I think you could put up probably six spinners in a field with not a single full body decoy on the ground and probably shoot ducks. Oh, 100 percent, man! Like <laughs> yeah. people go, people like to say, um, like when it comes to hunting field ducks, like man, all we really use is goose. All you really need is goose decoys and the spinners. Like no. All you really need is the, <laughs> the spinners. spinners right? <laughs> like you're just putting the goose decoys out there for no reason. Yeah. Like there's no reason. It, it, the, the only reason to put goose decoys out on your map, on your field duck hunt around the spinners is a, to make yourself feel better. And uh, B, <laughs> it, 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 it just, uh, decoys are I fun. Guess <laughs> decoys are fun. Yeah. But like, if we're going out on like a field duck hunt, like, especially like in Saskatchewan, or something or if you're doing it in minnesota or in wisconsin or the dakotas anywhere i mean if you're putting out five dozen goose silhouettes like that's a little overkill i mean two or three spinners five dozen silhouettes and you're you're in business like that's right. all you need yeah, yeah yeah five five six spinners and two dozen full body hen mallard decoys that's like the perfect <laughs> yeah. spread <laughs> yep Make sure you got out. Well, what I what we really like to run is about a hundred and fifty dozen dive bomb mallard silhouettes. Right there you go. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> so many. I'm just Although I could see kidding. like um, like a um, I mean, might be more inclined to like like a duck sock decoy. Just if you know, if you got some wind, you get that little back and forth. Might look like you know, like the ground is kind of shimmering. Might not be bad, but yeah, I mean, basically. You're you're right. All you need are the spinners because that's what they're coming to, anyways. They try to right, sit right. right on them damn things. And yes, that's pretty yeah. much it. You could basically not every day, not every day, but you could basically plop layout blinds down without really camoing them and throw out two or three spinners and shoot ducks in a field. Yeah, for sure. And there are days when you can't do that. I'm I'm you know especially when it comes to mallards that get pressured. Like man, once mallards get pressured they'd start doing that shit where they come out in big flocks and then uh, they'll come out in big flocks. Like we're talking 75 mallards plus and their very first spin you could say, or the very first time they come to investigate your spinners, they come into about, they lock up tight and they come into about 45 ish yards and then they bank and you're like, all right, they're going to go around one more time. <laughs> and the next, and the next spin they come into about, 51-ish yards. And you're like, oh, all right. But, 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 but wait, wait, wait. Two or three of them break off, two or three hens or whatever, or juvies, and they start circling right above the spinners. And you're like, ah, should we shoot these ones? And you're like, no, no, no. Those 75 are definitely going to do it. <laughs> On this fucking third spin, third spin comes around. How far out do they fucking bank? Like 70. You're like, we should have shot the three. Yeah, dude. Mallards yeah. are the worst for that, too. Like, when they turn oh, and they yeah. lock up, you're like, every time you're like, oh, they're doing it. And then they just pick up and flap again. You're oh, like, oh, yeah. Damn it. Like, dude, they're, I fuck... they're the worst. All right. As, as much as we just had this conversation about how ducks are retarded and all you need is <laughs> three spinners in a field, yeah. once, once you have shot those retarded ducks a couple of times, 
now they are just the most frustrating cocksuckers to hunt in a field. Because they do that. They come out in the giant fucking flocks, and then they just spin on you. And once they've done their fifth spin, where now they're banking at like 80-plus to 100-plus yards, now they just fuck off. And you're like, this this fucking sucks, dude. Hunting hunting pressured mallards in a cornfield or in any field, hunting like heavily pressured mallards does suck. It sucks. Yeah, they're frustrating because it's just like that visual, <laughs> that body language visual. Like when they cup and they turn, and they just they look like they're set. You're like, oh, this oh, is it, dude. And then they, they just... look like they've never wanted to be anywhere so bad in their lives. <laughs> and then they just pick up and start flapping, and they do it twelve I times. Know. You're like, my god, either come yep. in or leave. I can't. My yep. heart can't take this anymore. So, or you just gotta just <laughs> you just gotta like commit yourself to bucking into that first spin when they're at like 40 ish to 45 ish right and 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 they're in big wads and your pattern is going to spread out a lot and dude what what'll end up happening when you do that too is you are going to drop fucking mallards everywhere like it's it's still a lethally effective range for like steel number twos and the patterns are just going to blow through these big wads of ducks, and you're just going to have triples raining out. You got to pay particular attention to where they're all landing, and like, and then running around in the field trying to pick them all up becomes a big issue. Like, mm-hmm. anyways, somehow I mean, we but sometimes, con- but sometimes we totally that fucking 180 this conversation. Yeah, I know. But sometimes that <laughs> it's like taking them on that first pass makes sense, but there are times just like that third, fourth pass when they actually finally do it. Do it, do it. Sometimes. You know, so it's like you gotta like that's the dance you that's, play, right? As a as a that's a risky game. It is. It is. That's but, a risky game. <laughs> they, it does happen. It sucks. You're like, oh, yeah. If you, could, I mean, that goes. However, for anything. all right. But fret, let's let's turn it back around to fresh mallards in the field. Retards. Yeah, just <laughs> reckless abandon. It's like they want to die. It's like, yeah, they they yeah. That's or that's when it gets to- real fun. Head up to Saskatchewan and hunt all those baby pintails in a fresh-cut wheat field. Oh, Holy just shit, Just a pile dude. of nice brown ducks. I love it. Baby pintails and baby roskies are born to die. <laughs> 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 when you go to Saskatchewan, man, <laughs> dude, there's, there's probably no easier hunting than baby roskies and baby pintails I up in Saskatchewan. It. I really do need to get up there one of these years. Well, yeah, make it this year. Yeah, I haven't make it done. 2024. Yeah, it just might be. Yeah, I just haven't done the Canada thing yet. Neither oh, do it's it. not. It's not that difficult. Just no. if you wanted to, like, just focus on field mallards or field or field baby pintails, um, dude, just go like to just go up there like the first week of September. It's like, <laughs> and and if you wanted to bring like, you know, two bags of snow goose socks with or a hundred full body snow goose decoys. Head up there like mid-September, and you might run into some baby Roskies. Mid-September's a little early for the snow geese to be there. But, like, mid-September, you could definitely set yourself up for some really good, like, baby pintail hunting, mallard hunting, large Canada goose hunting, and potentially some baby Ross goose hunting. Yeah, I'd like to get up there for – if I do it, you know, you kind of want to try to – everybody wants this right you want like the everything hunt so get some specs get some snows get some honkers and little little canadas or you know and some ducks and you want all of it you know so if i did it yeah i'd be yeah i don't know part of the risk that you're gonna play when you do that is you're gonna run into you're gonna run into crowds of people not really 
I mean, you there's a potential that when you go to these very, very heavily hunted areas, which guys, if there's a lot of birds in an area, there's a lot of bird hunters. So like, it, it's just, it's kind of unavoidable. If you go there during peak tourist season, there's a chance you could run into like these heavily hunted, um, these heavily hunted groups of mallards where you kind of end up even in Canada, dude, they do that shit, man. Even like late September, early October, mid October, like you get the mallards and they've just been hunted enough to where they're coming out in the 75 plus like large flocks. And they're doing that super shitty, (laughs) like frustrating style hunting. But if you go there like early September and mid September, like, dude, there's just nobody like, there's the outfitters are kind of banging around, but dude, a lot of outfitters don't even have clients right away. Hmm. A lot of outfitters aren't even running heavy until like mid September. So like, I mean, you go and, and bear, ask anybody like, well, not ask around like to people who are going to Saskatchewan in the fall. Like what time of year do you go? It's always like early to mid October. Hmm. If you're there mid September, man, you can definitely set yourself up for some of those like really, really easy Killing like blood, those bloodbath hunts, like those like those absolute bloodbaths. Like you're not gonna have the astronomical amount of lesser snow geese in the area. You're not gonna have any color on any ducks. Right. Um. You're gonna have some good good concentrations of like large geese obviously it kind of depends on where you go in the in the province as well but anyways it makes it a lot easier when you don't have to pick out drakes which you know we've covered at nauseum doesn't really do anything but make a better pile of picture anyways but um yeah you just get up there if a duck's in range you shoot it you know? yeah 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 i think that's a good time to go anytime like everybody would ask me like what's the best time to go to saskatchewan it's really any time it just depends on your expectations and like what you really want out of a Saskatchewan hunt. Honestly, I think it's, if I were to go up there personally, I'd probably go up there like the first week of September. Cause there's just so little pressure. Sure. You know, everybody like is obsessed with hunting, um, like around their home area when early goose season opens. I've always said this about like, um, like the September 1st weekend or that next Saturday, that's typically when every state opens their early Canada goose hunting season, except for the states that don't have it. And that's a great time to take a hunting trip because there's so few tourists out there. And Everybody's could, just, yeah. You could go really cheap too, because like we just said, you pretty much just need grab your spinners. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then maybe a couple dozen hawkers throw them in the back of the Subaru and hit the road, you know, like you de- oh, you definitely could like the style of like early September hunting that I'm talking about in Saskatchewan. Like you could, two guys could do it without a trailer. Yeah, like, for you sure. Could just do two layout lines, you know, two bags of silhouettes, two bags of socks, two spinners and coolers for your birds. A bird hitch. I mean, that and cool. Bring bring up coolers full of food, and bring them back full of birds. There you go. Yeah, that that would be. It would, it's definitely a possible trip to make with no trailer. Huh. Could be a fun, and, just a fun solid duck duck trip. That would be really easy in and out. Go up it, there. The smash only thing that ducks and come home. Yeah, the the drive is just yeah. kind of brutal. The drive is brutal. Yeah, there's no way around that. 
I mean, There's I guess no you can fly, around. but then you don't have all your shit. Right. Right. So, anyways, let's hmm. get back on track. Snuggies. Yeah. <laughs> Snuggies. <laughs> are, are you, like, you generally never snow goose hunt. Like, do you have any plans of going out for a day or two and dipping your toes back in the the light goose spring conservation order? Well, I have been guiding for uh, snow geese in Saskatchewan last year. But, no, I'm not planning on hunting. I am planning on doing a spring conservation goose hunt, though. Well, that's what I meant. Like, just a fun, like, not not guiding. Oh, not, Not oh, you're doing the Canada, (laughs) the big, the big honker Canada thing again? Yeah, we'll do a, I'm going to do a a spring conservation Canada goose hunt here in, uh, in April again. Nice. Actually, I, I already got my license. Really? When, like, hmm, I mean, I might be available not to invite myself, but. Uh... You're not invited, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> oh, no. um, but last year we went up there and there was barely any geese there. Like, yeah, there I remember that. Hardly, there wasn't hardly a goose up there. And this year probably will be some geese there. I would think so. Uh, I can't. Unless, there, unless there's going to be a bunch of storms or whatever that come on in. I heard that uh, South Dakota's, uh, well, as always, geese are bouncing back and forth, like on that snow line, freeze line. But I, I guess a lot of birds have left the um, South Dakota area the last day or so with this cold weather. Oh, boogie back south, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, sounds about a week ago, I, I think, uh, like Squaw Creek pretty much emptied out just randomly. Yeah. There was no weather event. They're just like, ah, we're, we're going to move. <laughs> so right, right. Most of them left, but yeah, maybe they push back down. Who knows? I mean, this is just a couple of days of winter, and then it's right back into unseasonably mild temperatures again. <clears> so, so you start running here on Saturday, March ninth. Yeah, Saturday, March ninth, or maybe 9th, Friday the eighth. Yeah, maybe Friday the eighth. Yeah. And then, how long are you going to be out there for? That'll that'll be up to the birds. I mean, we'll you know, we'll I'm sure Dean will book trips. Uh, as long as we have birds to to lure people out there, he he uh, he thinks. So if anybody's waiting, I wouldn't wait. It's, he thinks, and he's been doing it for a long time. So I'm gonna defer to his opinion, even though this is a unique spring. But he thinks it's gonna be a pretty quick season. He thinks they're gonna kind of blow right through. So I'll have to wait and see. It's hard to without any snow or anything to kind of keep them. But I feel like maybe it'll be more of like a trickle movement, but I could be wrong. You know, I mean, what I'm hoping happens is that you don't get these mixed flocks of of adults with juvies because they don't have that snow line to like dam them up and mix them up. That maybe the you know the the adults that just want to get up there and get the banging going that they leave. So you're just left with predominantly flocks of juvies that are you know even maybe smaller flocks that are just trading around almost acting more like honkers than than snows and hopefully they make them more vulnerable but i've never i've personally never hunted a spring season with this weather pattern before so i don't know how it's it's i'm i'm it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun just to see how it plays out i think uh one interesting thing about this season is since there's it's very warm weather and there is no snow line there's a really interesting, um, uh, I mean, the birds are just, what I mean to say is the birds are just incredibly spread out where you got guys 
that are seeing geese in northern South Dakota and southern North Dakota already. And I was just on Instagram this morning and I'm seeing outfits in Arkansas that are trying to book. They're trying to book out to March 3rd, saying they still have pockets of geese around there. And I'm sure they do. Yeah. And I'm seeing good piles still come out of Arkansas, guys chasing these small feeds. So, like, um, Dean, I'm going to, Dean's been doing it a long time. He's a smart guy. He thinks it's going to be a a quick one this spring. He might uh, be right in terms of uh, just how the migration pushes through, but I think you're always going to see calendar birds in the Dakotas until uh, mid-April. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's like it's 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 more so like how he runs it. These big migration spreads. It's like once you get to those, yeah, there, you're gonna hear about people getting nice piles. You know, late, late, late. I, I pretty much every year. It's even like the first week of May. I see somebody's out there banging away on somebody. You know, like yeah. Um, but you need to put on the miles. And now those geese, like those are high success rate hunts. When you find birds, chances are you're going to kill a lot of those birds. But you could literally drive all day and not find them. Like it's. I have gone out uh, in late April, early May with a truck bed full of snow socks and an e-collar and uh, heck solo. I just gone out there, see if I could find birds for the weekend and didn't. Mm-hmm. And and then drove home. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I just went and I scouted some areas that I thought might have some late season birds hold up on them. Did not find any. Drove home. A few days later, you see somebody that lives out in uh, North Dakota. Some guy found a pocket of birds and they went and made a little fifty stack or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. Three days after I come home with my tail tucked between my right, legs. Right. Yeah. And that's you know, the, you know like, it's impossible. So the whole so for Dean. Or any outfitter, it's like you can't really you can't run an operation like that. So it's like, no, you know, he's talking about his season, his you know making money season is gonna could be quick. And it's like, yeah, will there be birds right, around? Right. Sure, but there's no way he could effectively book hunts doing that. Like, correct, so correct. Just, and no and even even um like when it comes to migrator spreads, they always get uh with when like really really good migrator weather, you're gonna get like banger hunts, a handful of banger hunts out of a migrator spread every spring. But towards the end, they actually tip like, a, I guess this is typically what can happen is towards the end of the migration, it looks like they're having great hunts because they're making 30 to 70 bird piles. And yes, those are great hunts, but they are slow days. Like, like you're not seeing shit. You're maybe getting one flock in before lunch and then three flocks in around sunset. You know yeah, what I mean? There's a lot of good snow goose naps on days like that, especially if the sun's shining. Right, <laughs> right. And there's just, there's like every flock of geese you see that day decoys and decoys to your boot bag, but you are not seeing much. Right, like, it's not it a is, steady it, stream of birds. It's like. You no, know, yeah. it's like, holy shit. Like, it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't seen a fucking snow goose. And then all of a sudden, like a flock of 20 flies over. They decoy down to the boot bags. You rip 10 of them. You're like, damn, okay, let's get some lunch. And then you sit out there for hours in the afternoon and you're like, we have not seen a fucking snow goose. And then you get, two, <laughs> you get two flocks in at the end of the night, you get 25 more birds. It's a 35 bird hunt. You're like, yeah, 
pretty good. Yo, oh, yeah, yeah, we got 35. How was it? It was boring as fuck. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> for, most, for most of the day. You know what right, I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. You're, you're, not, you're not sitting there watching snow geese all day. You're sitting there watching empty skies. Yep. And that one renegade flock that happens to fly over just does it. But yeah. I personally, I kind of, that's okay with me. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, and just going off of like climate, sat- or climate, client satisfaction, it's like at the end of the day, birds in hand always equal smiles. I mean, like Correct. everybody's happy. It's like, yeah, if you sat there all day long and you didn't shoot any, or you saw a few, you know, whatever, maybe you scratched out four or five birds, or you know, random single double or something like that. Those are the tough days, and they're just like, eh, that was pretty brutal. You know, we didn't really see much, and. You know, then they all become experts and tell you how you should be doing it. Um, right. But what I will say, a hot tip for any people out there is, like, listen to your guides. Because there's I, multiple times I've, like, we're not seeing birds, like, in the morning or something. And I'm like, I have a feel like, let's take a quick lunch break, but get back here right away. Because I have a feeling the dam's about to break and it's going to get really busy. And then they leave, they go, they take their time. I'm back in the blind and I'm just covered in geese for like an hour. And I'm text mad texting. I'm like, you guys have to get back here. Like I am Where covered. are you? I am covered up in birds. I've shot 12 myself. Where are you? <laughs> like, get over here. And then they finally get there. And then, you know, what usually happens is you have 15, 20 minutes of still some pretty good action. And then it's just done for the day. It's like, well, if you would have done what I said, <laughs> we would have a hundred pile, right, <laughs> but <right>. you didn't. <laughs> and then like when it gets to that, like, uh, you know, that end, like where you're getting those slow days, but you're getting high success rate. That pretty much is the end for somebody like Dean, like, and his money making season. Cause you can't, like, you just can't run hence like no. that. Yeah, you can't. But that is, that is not the end of, guys who want to run and gun style like that's the beginning right and you don't and for guys that want to do that like you don't need a thousand decoys you know when you're hunting those smaller pockets of late season late spring birds you know you could probably get away with three four hundred even sock decoys now if you have yeah yeah, yeah. if you have a trailer and full bodies even better yet but um you're not going to need those mega spreads because they're not in mega feeds you know you're not right like no no, three four hundred is definitely plenty yeah something you can jump out there I mean, set up real quick you know and and start hunting that's all you need get that e-collar rocking yeah you're generally going to be hunting closer to the roost they you know at that time that's of year true. they're not making giant you know 15 mile flies from the roost to the feed there if you find their roost and you can you know watch them get underneath them you have pretty good chance you're going to kill those birds i've had a lot of fun i've had a lot of fun late spring chasing around those little pockets in my lifetime now i've i've mixed that in with other times when i drove out there and drove back with my tail between my legs but that's part of the fun of it like you drive out there with the truck bed you know maybe you and a buddy are splitting gas and getting a hotel room and say like hey let's uh let's see if we can't find some birds we'll give it till uh you know today's friday we'll take friday off of work we'll scout all day friday hopefully we can find birds for a hunt saturday if not we'll scout saturday for a hunt sunday if not we'll drive home you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and you just you run that risk and that's that's pretty fun man it's a good time it's it does kind of suck when you can't when you don't find anything yeah exactly but it it it's all about the emotional roller coaster like the what ifs the maybe it could happen the holy shit 
there they are. Fuck, can we get permission? Where's the land? You know, just the mm-hmm. whole excitement mm-hmm. of that comes along with waterfall hunting is kind of amplified during that high risk, high reward season. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the best way to put it is that high risk, high reward. It's like, yeah, you might not find any, but if you do find some and you can get on that field, you're more than likely you're going to have a good shoot. Yeah, and, and another thing not too dealing is like, with other hunters, like none of the other headache scenarios that usually run into at the peak of the spring migration and also um sometimes even some of the other issues uh with being in the like outside the peak are nicer too like it's not as muddy like it's warm it's warmer it's not as muddy like sometimes you can drive trucks into the field to go set up so you might not even need to bring an atv with you like you could literally go out there with a truck no ATV, you know, a you know, five, six hundred socks, couple speakers, couple layup lines. Right. Or, you know, like if you are bringing a trailer, the only thing on that trailer is an ATV. The rest of everything else fits in the back of your truck. Right. So, yeah, you can be a minimalist for sure. in uh, in that late, late spring season. Now I'm, now I'm excited. Now I'm ready to go. Let's go. i am looking forward to it it's been like the years that i have been doing it and i see those pictures come in and even you know obviously i'm friends with and i follow the guides for premiere and with dean and it's like oh man i miss i miss those days oh of course fun so i'm definitely looking forward to it it's gonna be fun yeah now i want to go chase around Come on out. Bring the no, baby. No, I'm not gonna <laughs> bring the bring the baby. We'll dress her all in white. She can roll around the decoys. Extra movement. It'd be great. I have drove out. Uh actually I did it with Raquel one year. We drove out uh to the Dakotas just to see the spring migration. It's just fucking awesome. It is. It absolutely is. I've told that to a million people. They're like, well, I don't really hunt. You should go anyways. Bring a camera. Yeah. You're gonna witness something you've never seen in your life. It's awesome. The geese are cool and so are the ducks. The ducks are some of the best. Like even just driving to and from my field and the different potholes as you see them thaw out and ducks show up and it's like, oh man, canvasbacks, redheads, bluebills, ring, all of them, and they're all in oh. their breeding plumage. And you can see the the uh, buffies are out there doing their little dance and the the golden eyes are doing their little dance. It's it's, uh, it's I love it. It's just a waterfall exactly. dream. It's so much fun. Of course. So all right, dude, yeah. should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. And let's wrap it up. Hey, if you guys want to come hunting with me this fall, I have some good deals right now. If you were to book a three-day trip, um, so get at me. Get at me on social media, Facebook or Instagram. Nick A. Johnson, that's the best way to reach out to me. Um, I still got a couple of Signature Series goose calls on hand. If anybody is looking for a good deal on one of those as well, reach out to me. When do you that's start uh, booking and doing the pigeon hunts? I'm booking right now, but I'm booking for July 1 to August 31. Those oh, okay. That's what I meant. Like, when are you planning on actually hunting? That's, okay, July. That's my quote-unquote season. Gotcha. My pigeon season is, is summertime because we, uh, I, try to, I try to not shoot them up while they're breeding. Sure. I remember hearing you talk about it. I don't know if it was the with the Nature Bros on this podcast or if it was just the Nature Bros. I don't remember, but I remember you talked about it and your philosophy behind it. And it all made, it all made sense, so we don't need to. Yeah, I've, I've talked about it before. So. Yeah. All right, man. All right, dude. Well, we'll chat with you later, man. Sounds good. Want to 
want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.